You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Morning, church. How are y'all? Blessed. Amen. Good to see you. My name is Mike Cooper. I am uh, a member here. I'm not here very often. My wife and I live in College Station. And uh, whoop, there you go. Got some Aggies in the house. Um, live in College Station and looking to move back to LaGrange relatively soon. I retire in 30. <laughs> Did not pay these people. Um, just a little cheer squad over here. Um, Looking to move back when I retire, I'm going to retire less than eight months from the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I'm a chaplain there. I've been doing that for about 20 years, and I'm excited about retiring from there and starting the next chapter, coming back to LaGrange and getting plugged in here more. Excited and uh, really, really grateful for the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Um, I believe that God has a word for us today. This is one of the first, uh, I think the first day we've not, over the past uh, maybe two months or so, taken a section from the series Chosen and used that as a springboard for a message. But it, So all that being said, if you've not watched Chosen, I cannot recommend it enough. It is a fantastic series, does a really good job of bringing scripture to a visual, I'm a very visual person. Um, my wife tries to explain some things to me through decorating. I'm going, baby, I have no idea. Just let me see it. Let's put it up, and then I can tell you if I like it or not. But this does a really good job of painting a picture of Scripture and how they really integrate integrate um, life with Scripture and how it could have happened. So put a plug in for that. Really excited about sharing God's Word with you today. The title of the message is Kingdom Seekers. You know, there are a lot of people that have sought a lot of things from the start of time, whether it's money or power, new lands, um, a treasure on Oak Island. Um, these brothers have been searching for gold or whatever it is. Um, I'm getting to the age now where I, I'm seeking things to do when I bend down and tie my shoe. Uh, it's just, I mean, you, while you're down there, let's just find something different to do. Uh, it's just, everybody's looking for something new, a new car, new house. Um, we're looking for some place in LaGrange to move when we retire. Uh, but those, those, are, those are coming. But I want to share what I believe is an integral thing for us as children of God in 2022 for a time such as now for LaGrange, for Fayette County, for this state and around this world. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to use this verse in Matthew 6.33 to springboard into the topic today. And that is, what does it really mean to be a kingdom seeker? What does it really mean to seek after the things of God, the things that he desires in our hearts? So let's read this passage together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 Jesus is talking to his disciples, and I want you to go back and read the rest of this, maybe a little bit later today or in your devotional time this week. It's in the midst of some scripture dealing with the topic of worrying. Anybody worry in the room? Just four of us. Okay, good. Um, so the rest of you, maybe just zone out for the rest of the day. You don't have to worry about it. But in the midst of this 
topic of worrying, Jesus mentions this particular verse. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so this this idea of seeking his kingdom first, tied in with the premise of not worrying, is one of those things where I think that we can really understand that when we have the proper focus, when we have the proper perspective, worrying is not the thing that's to the front of our minds. His kingdom, his righteousness, those are things that we're concerned about. The the last part of the, the song that we sang last um, says our bones are going to, I mean, listen, if if we don't sing out, if we don't give God what he deserves, guess, guess, guess who's going to do that? Rocks are going to cry out. Listen, God has created us for one purpose, and that's to worship him, to give him our very, very best. And so as a church today at Cross Point, I really, really want us to grab a hold of this idea of seeking his kingdom first and let that permeate everything that we do, whether we're driving to, to the grocery store, we're headed to work, we're having a conversation with a neighbor or at work or wherever, that this kingdom mindset, this idea that he's number one, that his principle, his righteousness, his desires are most important, even more than Mike's, even more than yours, it's his kingdom. And so first thing I want to do is I want to break down the word kingdom. Thank you. If you were given the little note sheet when you came in, it breaks that down. All the points are there. Actually, you can probably take up your little note sheet there and take off. Say, hey, I got the message. But just in case you want to sit here and listen to the rest of it, let's break that down. So let's we're going to break out K-I-N-G-D-O-M. K, I want you to understand in order for us to be kingdom seekers, we have to know who we're seeking. We have to know him. And this idea of knowing him There is a giant distinction between knowing something about someone and actually knowing someone. I know my wife. I know the things that she likes. I know the things that she desires. I know the things that drive her nuts that I do. Uh, And and conversely, she knows all that that about me. I know all about her. I know lots of things about my favorite athletes, my favorite writers. I know about them, but I don't know them. I don't have intimate details about their life. I can't tell you what their favorite color is. I can't, there's, there are details that I just don't know about them, but I know about them. There are lots of, lots of people walking around today, lots of people that maybe live next door to you that you work with know a lot about God, but they don't have a relationship with Him. They don't know Him intimately. James chapter 2 verse 19 says, you believe that there is one God, That's good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. And so this this verse lets us know there are lots of people, lots of things that know about God, but there is a big difference between embracing what you know about him and allowing him to be the most important part of your life. There is a a little thing, a a poster on my door at, at my office at work that goes along with this, And it says, if demons believe and shudder and are not saved, what does that say about those who profess to believe and don't even tremble? And so I want you to I want you to hear. Let me break that down just a little bit. Let me break that down. If the demons believe and they shudder, but they're not they don't they're not fearful enough. They're not reverent enough to be able to give God the proper place in their lives. What does it say about us who say we are believers 
and that we don't have a reverential fear. We don't respect him enough to even think about that just for a little bit. And so I want you to understand that there is a big difference between knowing him and knowing about him. And so our desire as a church at Cross Point in this area, in this community, is for us to know him and to make that known to the people that we come in contact with each and every day. If we know about that and we don't share that, what good is that? Teenagers, may you have friends that need to know about Jesus, that need to have a relationship with him. And the best way for you to do that is to live that out, live that out each and every day. Adults, same exact thing. Husbands, wives, grandparents, impressing those, those, those things on your grandchildren. It has to be, number one, has to be priority, to know him and to have that kind of relationship with him. Number two, letter I, is that I believe that in order for us to be kingdom seekers, we need to invest in other people. I was a teenager and a goofy teenager who went to church, and I had a youth pastor who took me under his wing, who wanted to develop a relationship with me, who loved me with all the the inadequacies that I had, all the hang-ups that I had. He saw potential in me. He saw something that, that he wanted to be to have a relationship with. He took me under his wing. And he is the reason why I am in ministry today. He's the reason why I love the Lord the way that I do today is because he took time into his life and invested it in mine. And in order for us as believers to, to really seek the kingdom the way that I believe that God wants us to, we have to pour our lives into other people. There's a couple passages here in Acts chapter 13 and Acts 16 where it addresses the relationship between Paul and Timothy and Paul and Barnabas. Paul saw potential in people. Paul was just a brilliant, brilliant guy, loved the Lord, had came a long way from being a persecutor of Christians to be just a, a, a proclaimer of the gospel and, and impacting the, the, the church for generations, wrote most of the New Testament. But he, even with all of that, even as, as powerful as he was, he took time to pour his life into people. Ladies, those ladies that are mature, older, older, however you want to say it, I really, really want you to see that it's important for you to take a younger lady under your wing, to be able to, to pray with her, to share life with her. Being a young married lady, being a young single lady can be really, really difficult these days. Men, I think men do a really typically a poor job at this. We need to make sure that we have younger men that we can bring under our wing to to, to teach them how to, to love their wives or the way they're supposed to, to be able to teach a, a man how to pray, to, to say, hey, it's okay to, to show affection. It's okay to, to cry occasionally. We need to let people see, younger people see, that it's okay to to not have it all together. Man. No, that's, that's one of the mantras of this church. No perfect people allowed. I'm not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. And so as long as we understand that we're all imperfect folks, but we're trying to please God and to honor him with our life, then life becomes so much simpler. But we need to be able to invest in others and let them know that we genuinely care about who they are and not what they can give me or provide for me. It's just because, man, God loves me, and because he loves me, I care about you. And I want to introduce you to this God that, that loved me enough to be able to do that. So we need to invest in other people. We need to know 
who this God is that we're trying to seek. Number three, letter in there, is that we need to learn how to be able to navigate those difficulties, those storms of life that, that come our way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, is in the midst of a passage where Jesus is talking about having this firm foundation that, uh, that we make sure that what we believe is solid, that we just can't live on the faith of our, of our parents, our grandparents, even what Mike or Chris or whoever is bringing the word up here, we can't live on just what these guys are saying. We have to verify what Scripture says and then apply that to our life. We have to have a foundation so that we go off to college. Some of you are about to take off, and this is your last year, and you're headed off to college, and you're going to be introduced to all kind of crazy things and crazy folks, and they're going to want you to do and, and go places. And you, as a child of God, say, you know what? Hey, Man, I can't do that. I'm not honoring God with my life like that. So, I, so the answer is no. Adults, we can't just let students be able to say, stand up for their faith and say, I'm not doing that. We have to do the exact same thing. We have to be able to navigate those storms and have that foundation to be able to withstand the difficulties. And then the passage there in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus calms a storm. There are moments that we're going to face some tough times. Scripture says it. James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face various trials. Trials are coming. Storms are coming. And so we have to be prepared. And the way that we're most prepared for that is knowing that we can stand on God's word, knowing, knowing that difficulties are coming, but we can withstand those storms because of who Jesus is and the foundation and the strength that he gives us. It's amazing when you know that you're headed into a storm and you have everything at your disposal to protect you from that storm, we have that capability. We have that. We have everything that we need to be able to withstand that. One of the things that I want you to understand is that just because a storm comes through, clouds and lightning and the rain come through and they pass over Lagrange, does that mean that there are there's nothing else to the storm that can potentially impact us? Now, a couple of years ago, there was lots of rain that came through LaGrange. Those of you, how many of you were living in LaGrange when that, when all the flood and all that kind of stuff happened? All right, so after the rain, what happened? I just kind of gave it away. There's a little, little river out here that didn't stay in its banks and came all the way up almost to the courthouse. Okay, lots of people were devastated, lost their homes. Um, and this was a emergency shelter. Our church, I believe, and praise God, I think, did an amazing job of reaching out and ministering to the people of LaGrange, and the community came together to be able to provide for those folks. But just because the storm comes and leaves doesn't mean that there won't be some residual impacts. And so as believers, I want you to understand that just because there are storms that come into your life and it may seemingly be over, there may be years of impact that happen to us that we have to be be prepared for. But with God's strength... With his love and with his grace, we can get through those things, but we have to learn how to navigate. We have to learn how to maneuver and make sure that we rely on God's strength. So know him, invest in others, learn how to navigate the storms. G is to go meet a need. As If we're kingdom seekers, then we understand that there are people that are hurting, that we can meet a need in ways that maybe it may be just a handshake, it may be just a pat on the back, it may be just a, an ear that we listen to a conversation, it may be providing dinner for someone, taking them out for a cup of coffee, whatever it is, but we need to be available to meet a need someplace. This passage in Luke chapter 8, uh, uh, Jesus is actually on his way to go to 
uh, centurion's house. This guy came to Jesus and said, hey, I know who you are. I know how powerful you are. I know the miracles that you performed. My daughter is ill. Can you please come see her? Jesus is on his way to go heal his daughter. And then Scripture kind of takes a detour and as Jesus is going, there's a woman in Scripture that says has the issue of bleeding. She's done all the things. She's gone to all the doctors, spent all her resources. And what does she do? She reaches out and she touches his garment and she's healed. And in the midst of the crowd, Jesus turns and looks and he goes, man, who touched me? And the disciples say, Jesus, really? We're in a crowd. He goes, no, really, somebody touched me. And then the story of this woman was healed. But I, that's not that's not the point that I want you to hear. What I want you to hear is that that as Jesus was going to heal this daughter, ministry happened with this lady. Something God allowed a situation to, to intersect his life at that moment to be able to provide and meet a need for somebody. And so I encourage you, I challenge you, not just to be so driven and so focused that you're trying to accomplish your task, but when you get in your vehicle, you start walking down a hallway, you start walking to your office, you say, God, I know this is the task that I have, but if you want to interrupt me, you want to do something in my life to be, able to, bless, to be a blessing to somebody, you have the freedom to be able to do that. And so that's what it means to be a kingdom seeker. God, you can interrupt my schedule anytime you want. Over the years, I've learned that when I get caught by a light, I get caught by a train, Whatever the pause is in my schedule, you know what my immediate response is now? All right, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm accepting that there's a reason why I didn't make that at that particular time. I'm stuck here. And so whatever you want to do, you do. And so it's, it's, it's really, really exciting when you start looking at life through through those types of lenses, because then God is open and has the freedom to do in your life what he wants to do, which surprisingly is what he wants to do anyway. Okay, He wants access. He wants the freedom to be able to use you how he wants to use you. And that happens when we're kingdom seekers. Let God interrupt your plans to fulfill his plans. Amen? Last thing, or the fifth thing here is, is to demonstrate love. Look at the letter D here. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says that God demonstrated his love for us. When did he do that? When we were still, what's that? Sinners. Anybody a sinner in the house today? Okay, this is, I'm going to give you the, the answer to this, this test here. Everybody raise your hand, okay? Everybody watching online, you can raise your hand too. Everybody's a sinner. Everybody has made some mistakes. God demonstrated his love for us. He says, I love you this much. Even though you're a knothead sinner like me, I still love you. And I love you enough to be able to die for you. And so, church, man, I encourage you, I beg with you, I plead, demonstrate to God's love to somebody. And it, it may not be... I'm not even going to say it may not be comfortable. It probably won't be comfortable. Okay? But the more that you are open to allow God to use you to demonstrate that love, it will become more and more comfortable. I promise you. I promise you. But let God demonstrate his love through you. Pay it forward. Whatever whatever phrase you want to use, demonstrate God's love to somebody today. Oh, in kingdom, uh, put others first. We don't do a real good job typically. Uh, because we are so self-focused. We're so 
internally focused on what we want to accomplish, what we want to do. And so this idea of putting others first can be a little foreign to us. To us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, says not only look out to, to your interest, but also look out to the interest of others. We need to put other people first in our lives. I think moms, God has wired you different. Most women, that it, that's, that is a natural, natural thing. You will do without so that your babies will have. You will do without so your husbands can have. And so you do a really good job of that typically. Men, we, we can do much better. We can put our wives ahead of our own little fishing trips, or that next rod and reel, next golf club, whatever it is. Bless them somehow. All right, but be a blessing to somebody else. Let them know that you care about them, and, and it's, it's about sacrifice. Marriage is about sacrifice. Relationships are about sacrifice. It's about saying, God, I'm putting you first. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm giving you the freedom to be able to do that. Now, be careful, church, when you say that. Okay, be careful because typically when you say, God, you have 100, 100% complete access to my life. Guess what He wants to do? He wants to do something amazing, okay? He wants to rock your world a little bit. He wants to shake it up because he has the freedom. Once you say that, he has the freedom to be able to say, you know what, I've, I've been ready for, for you to say that, so this is, what I'm about, this is what I'm about to do. And so then you'll be able to see, man, God, this is, this is a lot more than I anticipated, but I gave you permission, and so let's, let's carry it out. Let's see what's going to happen. I promise you, you will have a testimony that you never, ever, ever thought possible. I was a, a sophomore in college. Maybe it was my freshman. I think it was my sophomore year in college. We, I was at Brazosport Junior College. I grew up down in Freeport. Went to Brazosport High School. Went to Brazosport Junior College for a couple of years. I got involved in a in an organization on campus called the Baptist Student Union. Those that of you that were born back in the 1900s, you you know what that's called. Those of you that went to college. Uh, afterwards, you probably, it may be called the, the Baptist Student Ministry or BSM or, or something along those lines. We went on a mission trip to South Padre Island. And it was um, really, really unique. It was a different kind of ministry. This was our ministry. Our ministry was to take our, our church van ministry or college van, BSU van, and we would go, we'd pass out little cards to all the college students that were down on the island at South Padre. And they were, they, they were labeled free rides. And then they had the number to the local island Baptist church in, in, in South Padre. And so and they say free rides, you know, like free ride to the bars. And we're going, absolutely. We'll pick you up from your condo, your hotel, and take you to a bar. And once you get finished with that place, we'll come pick you up there and take you to the next place. And they're going, are you serious? Is this a trick? No, no trick. So we hand out these cards, and then our phones start blowing up, blowing up. And so we go to this one place, pick them up. But when they were in the van from this establishment to this establishment, guess what we were doing? Man, we were. it was all Jesus all for like the next 15 minutes. We took the longest route from this establishment to this establishment. And so they, they knew who Jesus was by the time they got to that next establishment. Some of them were toasted. They, they, they were glazed over. They couldn't hear a thing, but they had that card. And by the second night, third night, they had that number memorized. They didn't have the card anymore. So they were calling. And so what we would say after like the second night is, Hey, we got breakfast for you. They're going, what? You're giving us rides to the bars. You're going to feed us breakfast. Absolutely. We'll come pick you up. 
So after the second or third day, they're all out of money. They bought all the Bibles that they can carry back with them to their college or whatever they're buying. They're out of money. And so they call us and we go and we pick them up. And we bring them to the church. We had to set up this gigantic tent, probably about as big as this room right here, and just had tables. And we had the Baptist men, but they bring all the trailers down uh, with the grills and we're cooking, they're cooking breakfast and we're serving pancakes and all this kind of stuff. But while they're at the table, guess what we're doing? Man, we're preaching Jesus. I mean, it's just Jesus. I mean, pancake, Jesus, pancake, Jesus. And so it's just one of those things where we're demonstrating his love by giving them a ride. But more than just a ride, we're trying to build a relationship with them to let them know that there is a God who wants so much more of your life than you just out there going to a party or going to a bar. He wants your life. Side note. Where me and a, and a guy, my, one of my really good friends, his name was Speedy. His name, his real name is Anthony, but he's been Speedy since I was in sixth grade. And so he went with us. He was he was in junior college with us. Went on this mission trip. We're passing out tracks. And those of you that don't know what tracks are, it's another little piece of paper that basically has uh, some verses to tell you how to become a believer, um, how to pray this prayer, ask Jesus to come into your heart. We're passing out these tracks in this one establishment. And this one, I'm 6'3", 6'4", and I'm kind of a tall guy, but there was a guy who walked up that made me look short and just swole. I mean, muscles in his earlobes. I mean, he was just, he had muscles everywhere. And so Speedy hands him a track like this, and he gets his track, and he looks at it, and he sees what it is, and he wads it up, puts it in his mouth, chews it, and swallows it. And I'm looking at Speedy, and Speedy's eyes are about this big around, I mean, because he's like a foot and a half taller than Speedy. And he walks off, and he's headed to the establishment, and Speedy looks at me, and he goes, that guy was hungry for the word. <laughs> After that happened, that gentleman took off. There was a kid, a ninth grade kid that was in the parking lot, found out that his uncle owned that establishment. We started talking to him. He said, what are you guys doing? He said, we're just trying to tell people about Jesus, man, that God loves them, that, that man, he, he has a wonderful plan for their lives. We got to talking with this kid, and then something just resonated in my spirit, and I said, man, do you want, do you know what it takes to, to be a Christian? Do you know what it takes to be able to go to heaven? And he goes, man, I have no idea. And so we walked through that track with him, and he prayed there in that parking lot, and he asked Jesus to come into his heart. And so it was, it was coming from a guy who totally just ignored and refused what we had to say, what the Spirit of God had for him that day to this ninth grade young man saying yes to Jesus. And I got to talking to him. I said, man, where are you, where are you from? And you're never going to believe where he was from, Freeport, my hometown. And I said, man, I'm in college. I'm not, I'm not, I really don't go to the church anymore just because I'm, I'm away. I said, but let me hook you up with the youth pastor there and the pastor. And so I, can, I connected him there. I'm uh, not real sure what happened to him from that moment on, but it was amazing how God just took a situation for somebody being obedient, somebody saying, God, you love me enough that I want to share that love with somebody else, and he can take a situation like that and change, listen to this, change somebody's life for an eternity. Imagine that just for a second. Not for a day, you give somebody a cup of coffee, you buy them a meal, and so you, you may impact their day or their week, or their weekend. But when you're sharing God's love with somebody, man, you can change their life forever. Forever. And so when we have an opportunity 
to seek God's kingdom and demonstrate God's love, lives can be changed. Putting other people first. Um, last thing I want to share with you is letter M. And it kind of goes in line with what the story I just told is for us to make disciples. We need to reproduce ourselves. We need to make sure that when we have a conversation with folks, that they know what it takes to become a believer. And not just to, to get fire insurance from, from going to hell and going to heaven, but what it means to, to really be committed to the things of God for, for them to become a kingdom seeker where it's not about what Mike wants or Jimmy or Mary or whoever, but it's about what God wants for Mike and what God wants for Jimmy, what God wants for Mary, and how he can change lives in the process. God desires for all of us to seek him first. Not not just one of us, not just ten of us. He wants everybody in this room to seek him first, for him to be the most important person in their lives. I want to share a story with you about a young man who died on the battlefield in the Civil War. They're, the people came around, they're collecting the dead bodies, and they're getting ready for, for burial. And they go through his jacket pocket, in the breast of his jacket pocket, this soldier had this written down on a piece of paper. And we don't know if it was something that he wrote or something that he had copied and, and written down on a piece of paper, but he carried it with him. And I want to share this with you about what it looks like to... Be kingdom focused, to be a kingdom seeker and not a self seeker. It says, I ask for strength that I might achieve. And God made me weak that I might obey. I ask for health that I might do great things. And God gave me grace that I might do better things. I ask for riches that I might be happy. He did not give them so that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might receive the praise of men. And I was given a weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. And I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received very few of the things I asked for. But I received all the things I had hoped for. Life is about perspective. Life is about making sure that we're seeking him first. Society tells us just the opposite, folks. Society tells us what's most important. Houses and cars and clothes and all kind of things. But when all that is gone... There's going to be one thing that remains. And that's going to be God. And that's going to be his kingdom. And God desires for you and for me to make sure that we're seeking his kingdom more than anything else. That's my challenge to to cross point today. That's my challenge to the folks listening online, the people that may listen to this for a year from now. Whenever it is, the spirit of God desires for us to seek him first. So that's my challenge. I encourage you to be able to, to say no to self, to say no to you, to the things that you want, your plans, and say, put your hands up and say, God, whatever you want in my life, I give you full access. Whatever you want to do with me, you have the freedom to be able to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these folks that love 
love, love you. They've committed their lives to you. Father, I thank you for the parents that have raised their kids in a godly home that have displayed what it means like to be kingdom-minded parents. There may be some folks in this room that at one time in their life they were sold out to the things of God and then life happened and they got distracted and started down a road they shouldn't have gone on. But man, their desire today, God, is for them to make you number one. And so, Father, I pray that you would strengthen their their spirit, you would strengthen their resolve to make sure that they are kingdom-focused. There may be some some folks in this room that have no idea, they never heard the, the concept of, of being a kingdom seeker. They've never heard the, the phrase to, to seek you first. And so, Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you would just touch their hearts, give them a burning desire to make you number one, for them to invite you into their heart, for you to forgive them of their sins, Father, and for them to make you Lord and ruler of their lives. Father, we want to tell you corporately that we love you, that we adore you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.